Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. The Lord, Acts chapter 10, verse number one. There was a certain man of Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the brand, of the band called the Italian man. A devout, everybody say a devout man. The Bible said that he feared God with all his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Verse 33. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee that thou hast well done, that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Amen. I love the story of Cornelius's uh, transformation, of Cornelius's being born again and his revelation, amen, and his conversion. And I want to preach to you today on six great truths Cornelius can teach us. Six great truths Cornelius can teach us, amen. And I'm going to preach on this because it's important that not only we know it, but I believe somebody can be born again today of spirit and water. But not only that, use this tomorrow or tonight whenever you're at the workplace or you're at the, at the store or with somebody because there is six great truths that's revealed to us in the Word of God about this man named Cornelius that I believe God will use to change our lives. Amen? Why don't we pray together right now? Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your Word, for your great presence and anointing in this place. I pray, Lord, right now that you would move, that you would open our understanding and our heart. I pray that you would touch us to not only hear your word, but receive it. I pray right now for our children that are in super service. I pray that you would touch them and let the Holy Ghost fall upon them right now. Lord, move in this place that lives can be changed. In Jesus' name, and the church shouts, amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord another hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. One of the most amazing things about the Bible is the treasure of truth that can be packed into so few scriptures. You don't have to read all of it to get anything. You can just read one or two scriptures and they're life-changing. And the account of Cornelius is one of the most, to me, now this is my personal opinion, is one of the most amazing conversions in the word of God. His conversion was more astounding in my opinion than even Saul uh, the Pharisee who would later become Paul. Cornelius for this reason because Cornelius was a Gentile. Amen. That meant he was not a Hebrew. If you were here Tuesday night, amen, this is a fresh understanding for you. He was not a Hebrew. That meant that he was paganistic. He was heathen. Amen. Uh, most of the Jews, if not all of them, did not believe that anyone that was not 
of the household of Abraham could even be saved. Matter of fact, most of them didn't even believe that a non-Jewish person even had a soul. They were, they were just more mere animals. That's really all they were, and Jesus even spoke to that in his teaching. But not only was Cornelius a Gentile, but he was even worse to that to the Jewish people. He was a Roman. Rome was occupying Israel at this time. They were an occupying army. Nobody in this room even comprehends what it means to be occupied by a foreign invader, and I thank God for that. But they were occupied, and they were torturously occupied by a Roman government, a paganistic and heathenistic government out of Rome that was filled with all kinds of sensuality and idolatry and wickedness. And they looked at the Jewish people with such disdain because of the many gods that the Romans worship. Amen. Uh, the Jews only worship one God. And it was quite a mockery. And they belittled them constantly. Amen. Because he was a Gentile and he was a Roman. Amen. He represented the empire of Rome when they saw him and his Roman haircut. And they saw him in his Roman clothing. Amen. The Jewish people hated him instantly. Not only was he a Gentile, not only was he a Roman citizen. Amen. But he was the actual representative of the occupying government of Rome because he he was a soldier, amen, which meant it was his job to not only conquer but oppress the Jewish people, amen. And the people of Jerusalem and the Jews looked at Cornelius with such hate and such disdain, amen. This is why it is so miraculous. Unlike the conversion of Saul, which was a powerful conversion of a zealot murderer and mass murderer in Paul, but Paul was a Jew. It was understandable from the Jewish people because he was persecuting people based on the law of Moses, so he had a religious excuse. But for a Gentile, this, this was mind-blowing, amen, because Cornelius' conversion is the only reason you and I are sitting here right now. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that for a moment. It was Cornelius being saved that opened the door for Gentiles like you and me to be saved. Amen. Up to that point, only the Jewish people were being saved. Matter of fact, up to that point, only the Jewish people were being uh, preached to. But when God began to move upon Cornelius, God began to turn things around where he was and they were only reaching the Jewish people. Now they're reaching out to the Gentile people. Listen to me. I'm so glad that a revival fell on Cornelius' household. Because of that, I can be saved and you can be saved today. We're not saved based on our pedigree. We're not saved based on who our parents were or our nationality or our ethnicity, but we are saved by the grace of Almighty God. Do you believe that this morning? Hallelujah. Cornelius represented the government that, that they hated. I'm gonna tell you, the Roman people, when they occupied the people, they, they oppressed the people. They oppress the people. Matter of fact, we often use the saying uh, uh, that, that where Jesus said, "Go the extra." We, we call it going the extra mile. And that's based upon a Roman law. 
Roman law said when they occupied a city, that if a Roman soldier told you to carry their pack or their equipment or their armor, whatever it was, you were obligated by law to carry it one mile. You had to. If you didn't, they'd kill you. There, there wasn't no, well, we'll debate this. If you did not carry whatever they told you to carry for them one mile, they would execute you on the spot. They were the most, one of the most oppressive regimes when they took over a nation. So when they asked Jesus about this, Jesus said, don't carry it one mile, carry it two. That's where we get the saying, go the extra mile. Because Jesus said, if the law of serving demands one mile, then we, we are of another spirit, we are of another kingdom, we'll just go that extra mile. That's why Jesus said if they hit you on one cheek, offer them up the other one. Because the Romans had a habit of going around and smacking people around and Jesus said, no, we don't need to uprise and resist in a way because we have a kingdom that is not meat nor drink. We're gonna have a revolution that doesn't have spears and swords and shields. Amen, we're gonna have a a revolution of the power of God and the Holy Ghost and turning the world upside down. I've come to tell you this morning, I believe there's a revolution coming to our world and a revolution coming to our state, a revolution coming to our city, a revolution coming to the United States of America, and it's not gonna be an ism, it's not going to be a political party, but it's going to be a revival of the Holy Ghost and a revival of a church on the move. Can you say amen? Praise God. And so in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts is the only place that we find Cornelius mentioned. I want you to bear with me for a little bit this morning because there are six powerful truths here. Amen. There are no biblical recordings uh, of this man before Acts 10, nor are there recordings of this man after Acts chapter 10. But the first truth that I want to give you in the life of Cornelius is, uh, amen, that Acts chapter 10 in verse 2 says, he He was a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. Amen. He didn't have a revelation of truth. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know who Jehovah was, but he knew this. Amen. He was number one. Cornelius was a worshiper of the one true God. The first truth you need to get about uh, Cornelius is that Cornelius was a worshiper of God and we must be worshipers of the one true living God. Oh, hallelujah. Cornelius came from a society that worshiped many gods, amen, but even without understanding, Cornelius looked around and said, I'm not gonna worship, I'm not gonna worship Zeus anymore, I'm not gonna worship Thor anymore, I'm not gonna worship Diana anymore, I'm not gonna worship any of these other gods of Greece anymore, I'm gonna worship the one true living God, and even without knowing his name, this sin 
sinful man, this heathen man, worshiped God and prayed every day. Can I ask you something? Those of us that are blessed to know the truth, those of us that know his name, what excuse do we have not to pray daily and worship always if we know who he is? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Amen, he was a worshiper of the one true God. He refused the influence of his peers. He refused to be influenced by his peers. The bombardment of the ways of his culture and the bombardment of the, of the ways of his society had no power over his conviction. He lived in a sensual, sinful, lust-filled world, but Cornelius, even without knowing Jesus, even without having the Holy Ghost, even without being baptized, he set himself apart and said, I'm not gonna be like the world. I'm not going to love the things the world. He said, I'm going to worship the one true living God. I think there's a powerful truth that we can take from Cornelius. We shouldn't let our worship be influenced by this world. I said we shouldn't let our worship be influenced by our society. We shouldn't let what's happening in Washington and Sacramento and Hollywood and Nashville affect the way we worship God. Amen. Amen. He wouldn't do it. He didn't go to the temples of Diana. He didn't go and worship the gods of Greece. He decided, I don't even know who this God is, but I'm going to pray every day to him. I'm going to give offerings. Amen. I'm going to give alms to the poor, and I'm going to pray every day. The first truth you need to get a hold of is we had better be worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want the world to know I worship Jesus. I want the world to know I serve God. Now the second great truth is this. Cornelius believed that God observed the affairs of man and was interested in the daily life of human beings. Now that don't sound like much, but give me a second. Because in Acts 10 and 33 tells us Cornelius and Peter, Cornelius told Peter and those who came with him, and I read this in your text, now therefore, are we all here present before God? Cornelius was convinced that God took notice of him personally. Now, I know we're not running the aisles over that, but this was revelatory because the Jewish people didn't even believe that. The Jewish people didn't even believe that God would see them no matter where they went. I'll prove it biblically. Jonah thought he could hide from God in the bottom of a ship. And he didn't think God would see him. Aaron thought he could make an idol. And the true God would not know about it. Achan thought God did not see the riches he kept from Jericho when he buried them. He thought, well, if I bury them, God won't see them. And what we learn from Cornelius is he had a revelation even the Jewish people didn't have. God sees me every day. God sees me every day. And God sees everything that I do. 
and God cares about me and he cares about what I'm going through. I'm gonna tell you the second truth you need to get from, Revel, uh, from, from Cornelius today is simply this, uh, is that God knows and God cares uh, and God is concerned with what you're going through. You can't hide your heartache from God. You can't hide your pain from God. And just as you can't hide that from God, we also can't hide our sin from God. We can't hide our failure from God. And our mis- he sees all, but more importantly, he cares. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about where you are. Number three, somebody say number three. Number three is even Cornelius knew and understood that the message of salvation would come from a God called, God anointed, and God sent preacher. Even Cornelius knew it wasn't going to come through Facebook. Or TikTok theology. Cornelius knew that God was going to send a man. I'll go back to verse 33. Amen. Cornelius told Peter, everyone was gathered there to hear the words that God gave him to speak to them. Hallelujah. Even though he saw an angel, he recognized Peter's importance in delivering the message. He realized I can't be saved on my own. I can't be saved by how I feel. I can't be saved even by what I think I understand. But if I'm gonna be saved, I need to hear the word of God preached. Paul writes about it in Romans 10 and 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Cornelius had a revelation of ministry before Peter ever stepped foot in his household. Cornelius had a revelation of hearing the preached word of God and that God will send an anointed preacher before he was ever baptized, before he even knew who the name Jesus was. And you gotta get a truth here this morning that if I'm gonna be saved, I've gotta hear the gospel. And if I'm gonna hear the gospel, I need to hear the preaching. Oh, somebody shout amen. It's one thing to be called to preach. It's another thing to be sent. I said, it's one thing to be called to preach, it's another thing to be sent. One of the best ways to tell if a preacher is sent as well as called is by the message they'll preach. It's by the message they'll preach. Cornelius was a man who against all odds knew the one true God, also knew he could not be saved without a preacher. Amen. This has always been around, but ever since the social media revolution, it's become more prevalent in the church. Amen. The church world, people say, I don't need a church. I don't need a preacher. I don't need to go to church. I can be saved at home. What scripture is that, by the way? 
first feelings four and five? Second misunderstanding chapter six, verse three? Fourth revelation of I'm on my way to hell, don't even know it, chapter two, verse five? Because my Bible still tells me to forsake not the assembling of themselves together. Well, I don't want to hear no preacher. Well, it's all through. You, you got to have a I've got a pastor. Usually people that have those problems have problems with authority anyway. Typically those kind of people think they know more than everybody else. And the problem is, it's not that they don't know anything, they just know so much that ain't true. Cornelius, against all odds, knew that if he was gonna be saved, he needed a preacher in his life. So I don't know if I believe that, I'm gonna be saved in my living room all by myself. Okay, well, what about the Ethiopian? In the book of Acts, an Ethiopian the second most powerful man in the nation of Ethiopia riding in a chariot, reading the Torah. And the Bible said that Philip was praying and God transported him physically from one part of the world to the next. And the next thing Philip knows, and I talked about this on Tuesday and Wednesday, the next thing Philip knows, he's walking beside a chariot and he's watching this Ethiopian, the secretary, the treasurer, the second most powerful man in that wealthy nation, reading from the Torah and he says, hey, what are you reading? The man said, well, I'm reading something in here but I can't understand it unless somebody explains it to me. And the Bible said Philip hopped up in the chariot. He began at that same scripture to preach Christ unto him. That right there ought to tell you that God, how interested in God is and how important it is, amen, for the word of God to come from the preach word of God. If Philip hadn't showed up, Ethiopia would have never had a revival. The fourth truth we need to understand is that Cornelius also recognized the sovereignty of God. In verse 33, he notified Peter. He and his household gathered to hear the words God commanded him to speak. That word commanded denotes rulership and sovereignty in the lives of, in the lives of men. See, Cornelius understood this rule very well. He was a soldier. Most of us average citizens, we don't, we don't comprehend it. Those that have been in the military do. When, when the captain says, go do this, or, or the sergeant says, go do this, you don't say, well, I don't know if I feel like it. You, you don't get none of that. I heard about a guy got tired of being in the military back in the draft. And uh, my understanding was, when I was, he jumped off a building or a, a boxcar or something, broke his leg on purpose. You know what the military, because he wanted to get out of the military, you know what the military did? They fixed his leg up and they put him in, they put him in jail for two years because he broke government property. Amen. That's a true story. Amen. They understand the thought. We don't. When we don't like something, we'll, we'll, we'll do it our own way. Cornelius had a revelation. He said, I know the sovereignty of God. 
I, I know how command works. Amen. Cornelius understood this kind of rule. When Caesar ordered him and his family to go to another part of the globe, he didn't ask where he could go. Can I go to Hawaii? Can I go somewhere I like the weather more? Can I go, I don't want to go down there to the Middle East. It's hot, it's a desert. No, he didn't have a choice. When Caesar ordered him to go to Jerusalem, amen, he snapped his little sandals together and he got his family and they moved and they sailed their way down to the Middle East, amen, and there they were appointed because he was well acquainted with authority. If you're going to be saved, you've got to understand the sovereignty of God. I said, if you're going to be saved, you've got to understand the sovereignty of God. God never seeks our opinion. God never seeks our counsel. It's just the way it is. When it comes to salvation, it's not negotiable. There's not my way of being saved and your way of being saved and the church is over there, their way of being saved, and this, there's only the Bible way of being saved. Amen. Now, at risk of, uh, you know, people say, well, man, that's so old-fashioned. I'm, that's Bible fashion. This church, this denomination don't get their way of being saved, and then we get our way of being saved. There is a Bible way of being saved. Now, here's the problem. Men have come up with their own opinions about it, and they've made up doctrines based on opinion. But the word of God's not an opinion, it's a command. Acts 2, 38. Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. John 3, 3, John 3, 5. Except a man be born again of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Those are not opinions. Those are commandments. There's nothing in the Bible says I'm saved by shaking a preacher's hand. There's nothing in the Bible says I'm saved by repeating a sinner's prayer. There's nothing in the Bible says I'm saved if I do enough good things. But the Bible says I must repent. I must be baptized in the name of Jesus. I must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, give him glory if you believe that. Hallelujah. Now, understanding authority, we now see the fifth lesson. We see the fifth lesson. And it combines with the fourth lesson. Because Cornelius' fifth revelation, his fifth truth, his most, this powerful thing is not only is there authority, but you've got to submit to that authority. Cornelius was not ready to just obey the portion of what this God required. But God sent a man who would tell him, all of what he needed to do to be saved. Again, verse 33 makes reference to him hearing all the words of Peter. Listen, we're not going to be saved because we give God a multiple choice of what we're going to obey in his word. I know churches that are heavy on, well, you got to repent. Well, that's only part of it. Well, that doesn't focus only on baptism. Well, you got to be baptized. That's only part of it. Then you got those that are only focused on being filled with the Spirit, but that's only part of it. We can't have a multiple choice. We can say, well, I'll do this part because I like it, but I'm not going to do that part because I don't like it. Cornelius had a revelation. I don't get a choice on what I get to obey. If I'm going to be saved, 
I've got to obey all the words of God. I'm not going to be saved because I select what I like out of the Bible. Come on. Amen. That's why there's a lot of denominations. They focus on the one thing they like. And they hold on to that and the rest of it, they don't even, they don't even address it anymore. They say, well, you know, we don't, we don't know how we feel about that. Well, I know how the Bible feels about it. This is an age-old problem with humanity. Let me jump back into the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 12. There was a leper by the name of Naaman, and he needed to be healed from his leprosy. And the long story short of it all was he went to the prophet through the suggestion of a servant, and the prophet said, if you want to be cleansed of your leprosy, you go dip in the muddy River Jordan seven times. Listen to his response in verse 12. Are not Abna and Farapar uh, rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in a rage. Naaman, this rich captain, was so upset that the prophet said he needed to abase himself and go into the muddy waters. And that rich, wealthy man said, I don't want to go down in the stinky waters of the Jordan. I want to go down in the clear, crisp, cool waters, a man of the Damascus rivers. I don't want to go down in that filthy place. Amen. I want to tell you something. You got to be very careful that you do not try and choose your preference of salvation. You gotta be careful not to trust your own flesh about what I'm gonna do to be saved. Amen, Naaman, if you wanna be cleansed, Naaman, if you wanna be healed of leprosy, it's not about going in the river you want to go in. It's not about getting wet, amen, in the river that you want to get in. It's about doing what God said do. And if Naaman would've went down in any other river, he would've died with leprosy. But because Naaman said, I'll do what God says. He went down six times. He went down with leprosy, but on the seventh time he came up, there wasn't a spot on him because when you obey God's word, I said when you obey God's word, tragically, there's gonna be a lot of religious people in hell. I said, tragically, there's going to be a lot of religious people in hell because they, they tried the Frank Sinatra and did it their way. They go, through, they go through life singing, I did it my way. I'm going to tell you something. Eternity's a little too long to be wrong. Hell's a little too hot to be trying it your way. Amen. Y'all with me this morning? I hear it all the time. I hear people say, I don't, I don't believe a loving God sends people to hell. And, well, let me tell you something. You're, you're partially right about that because God don't send anybody to hell. They choose. If I die lost, I chose to be lost. 
because I've got the truth of God's word and if I choose not to obey it, I'll be like Naaman getting in the wrong river because I didn't want to submit myself to what the word of God, I'm gonna tell you right now, if his word says repent, I wanna repent. If his word says be baptized, I'm getting baptized. Amen. I, I was teaching somebody a Bible study one time and I was, I, I was teaching them about, and, and, and about they, they had already received the gift of the Holy Ghost and they repented and so I was teaching them a Bible study and we were talking about water baptism in Jesus' name, amen, because it's the only way people were baptized in the Bible, that's it. There was no other way they said it, no other way they did it. They were put under the water, they weren't sprinkled, amen. They didn't, they didn't call on the name of Jehovah. They didn't call on Yahweh, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the way, the truth, the light, the door, the Lamb. They only called one name when people were baptized in the New Testament, amen. There's a $10,000 reward if you can find anybody post-Calvary ever baptized any other way but in the name of Jesus. I'm still holding on to that money, amen, because it's not there. And so we're just kind of talking, and, and, and all of a sudden the light comes on when he starts seeing that, the, that, that, the, that that's how they were baptized was in the name of Jesus. And his first response was kind of defensive. He goes, well, I don't think, I, only, I think it just matters that you do it and you just show God you're willing. I said, try that with your wife. It's your 25-year anniversary. You've been saving up for a 25-year anniversary ring to surprise her or a nice European vacation. And you got about $8,000 put up. And the day you go to purchase that vacation or that whatever, you decide, you know what? I need a new fishing pole, some golf clubs, and another shotgun. And you go home and say, babe, I'm sorry. I, I got you a $25 gift card to Starbucks. And I got, you, I got you a nice purse from Walmart. I, baby, I, listen, I, I just want you to know it's the thought that counts. Let me ask you wives something. Y'all gonna play along with that? No way, Jose. You're gonna say, no, sir. You turn right around and you take your selfish low down, sewer slinging, slime ball, selfish self up out of my house. You return them clubs, you return that fishing pole and if you want a warm place to sleep tonight, amen, you go and you take care of your responsibility. Well baby, I was really thinking about you and I know you want me to be happy. Are you kidding? Are you, that's, like, that's like cheating on your spouse and saying, but I did it for your happiness. That don't fly. That don't fly. That's the way people approach God. Well, I know what the Bible says, but I think God understands my intentions were good. Well, my grandma used to say all the time that the road to hell was paved with good intentions. Well, I didn't think God meant it. If God didn't mean it, he wouldn't have put it in his book. He told me, Sebastian, I think it's you know, just kind of semantics. It's, you know, I don't think God really cares. I just think God cares that you get in the water. I said, really? You don't think he would take such great care to be able to, to say it just the way he wanted to say it, only for us to go, ah, he don't care. I'm gonna tell you, God cares. It's the ingredient of salvation. A friend of mine, uh, on, on their wedding anniversary, uh, they went out to eat one night and his 
daughter who was about 13 was at home with the other little kids taking care of them. And she thought she wanted to do something sweet. Maybe I've told this story before. And so she wanted to make them their favorite. She wanted to make them some brownies. So she pulled out the box of Betty Crocker and she began to make up the brownies. And she went down the list, Sister Elvin. She put in the eggs and the butter. I don't even know what all's in brownies. Amen. And, and she starts making all of it. When it comes to one part of it, and, and when it gets there to the bottom, and it says, and add a dash of salt. Well, this is before Google. And she said, and so she's going through the ingredients. Well, her parents come in, and she presents them with these brownies after their anniversary dinner, and they're so excited. Amen. And he said, I'm looking at these brownies, and they're really beautiful. And she wrote happy, birth, uh, happy anniversary with frosting. And, and you could tell she was so excited. She put her heart into it. And so she cut it up, and she was so excited. She put it on a plate. She said, here, Mom, Dad, take a bite. And he said, you know, I did what you know, most of us do when the girl cooks for the first time. I was really hesitant, but I didn't want to hurt her feelings. So I bit into that brownie, and when I bit it, into it, he said, I, like, it was like sand between my teeth. It was grinding. He said, it was the most awful taste I'd ever tasted in my life. He said, I didn't mean to hurt her feeling. Well, I spit it out. He said, and when I looked at her, I, he goes, initially I thought maybe she was pranking us, but I saw in her face, uh, amen, that she was genuinely surprised that he spit it out almost with his dinner he had had an hour earlier too. And she was completely surprised and shocked by what had just happened. And, and he looked at her because she had big tears in her eyes and apologizing. And he goes, baby, I, I, I didn't mean to upset you. He goes, did, did, did you did you do what the ingredient said? Did you do it exactly? Well, yes. It said one stick of butter. I put in a stick of butter. It said put in two eggs. I put in two eggs. It said put the, do this and do that. And I did exactly what it said. And they're looking at it. And, and, and she goes, but, but there was this one part. It, it said add a dash of salt. And, and daddy, I, I didn't know what a, a dash of salt was. So I, I just thought a cup would be good. Be careful you're not adding the wrong ingredient to your salvation. Make sure with all thy getting you get understanding and you get wisdom. Because there's a lot of people that are making up their own ingredient to salvation when the Bible clearly says what it takes to be saved. Amen. If God says put in the butter, put in the butter. He don't mean margarine. He don't mean skim free, uh, fat free milk. He means exactly what he says. When he said repent, he meant repent. When he said be baptized in Jesus' name, he meant be baptized in Jesus' name. When he said be filled with the Spirit, he meant it. It wasn't an accident. He didn't poll test it. He wanted it done the way he wanted it done. And there's tragically a lot of people gonna stand before God and say, I did it my way, but I thought you'd be okay with it. And God's gonna say, look, I've gotta judge every man ever born of a woman by the same standard. This is what it takes to be saved. This is what it takes to enter into the kingdom of God. And I don't care who you are, where you came from, how smart, how dumb, how ugly, how pretty, how skinny, how fat. It doesn't matter what color you are, what language you speak. It only matters that you measure up to the ingredient I set for you to be able to enter into eternal life. And thank God. Cornelius had that revelation.
revelation. He already made up in his mind. This God that I'm worshiping is a sovereign God. And whatever he says, I'm gonna submit to it. If he tells me to stand on my head in a mud puddle, I'll do it and clap my feet at the same time because I want to be saved. We've got to comply with the word of God. And finally, Brother Lucas, as you come, Acts chapter 10, the final lesson we learn is this. Acts chapter 10 and verse 44, beginning there, says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For, we, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Amen. How did they know they had the Holy Ghost? Same way they got it in Acts chapter two. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, verse 47, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. The final lesson that I wanna give to you of Cornelius is simply this. It was a lesson of action. He wasn't going to wait. He didn't wanna debate the word of God but when the Holy Ghost fell, he received it. When the preacher said get baptized, he jumped in the water. He did not delay. He acted upon what he learned. He did not passively sit by and listen to the words of salvation and then let it fall upon deaf ears. No, Cornelius got up, amen, and he did what God said. He did what the preacher said. He did what the word of God was. And if you're going to be saved, it takes action. I said, if you're going to be saved, it takes action. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in the only saving name and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not enough to hear it. It's not enough to hear it. It's like going to my daughter and if I say, Addison, go clean your room. I come in there two hours later, which every parent knows this happens. You walk in, it looks worse than what you saw it before. I told you to clean this room. Oh, now? No, next year, genius. Yes, now. When God speaks a thing, when it comes to salvation, he means right now. Amen. Do not delay on responding to the word of God. Hallelujah. When you teach a Bible study, do not, do not leave without offering an opportunity for somebody to repent and be filled with the spirit and be baptized. Listen to me this morning. These six truths of Cornelius, amen, we've got to get down in our spirit. I'm not just going to hear the words, but I'm going to respond to the words. Here's what we run into. So many people, it's our, it's our religious tradition and pride that gets in the way.
that one man I was telling you earlier I taught the Bible study to, he began to see water baptism in Jesus' name. So many times, I've taught it hundreds of times, and you watch the light come on, they get excited. I've seen so many reactions. This one young man, he went through the whole spectrum of emotion. He kept trying to get around, oh, it's semantics. And then he went, but wait a second. My grandma was baptized the way I was baptized. It wasn't like the Bible said, but are you telling me she was a bad person? Well, nobody ever said that. And I'm not teaching her. I'm not talking. I'm talking to you. What do you see the Bible says? And then he looks at me and his eyes get real big. And he goes, and this was his response. Pastor, well, the Bible clearly says to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And I said, well, we got a swimming pool at the house. You want to get baptized? His next emotion was anger. Not at me. He got angry at the church he'd been going to for 30-something years. He said, why didn't anybody ever tell me this? He said, I remember them reading this scripture. And they'd either read it real fast or they would try to explain it some other way. He said, I can't believe they wouldn't do that. I can't believe they wouldn't tell me about repentance and being baptized and being filled with the Holy Ghost. They told me just repeat a prayer and go up there and shake the preacher's hand. They had me sign a sheet of paper and all of a sudden I was on my way to heaven. I said, listen, I can't help what was or wasn't said. But Paul said it like this, today is the day of salvation. And right now is the appointed time. There is an appointment in this place right now as you stand with me this morning. There is an appointment in this place right now. Somebody's got an appointment with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know. I'm going to need to think about that a little bit. All right. You'll reason your way right out of it. Or you can say, if this is what God says, I'm going to be like Cornelius. I'm going to turn my life over to the Lord. I'm going to begin with repenting. Say, man, pastor, you really, you really got to do all that? Does the Bible say it? If God came to me and said, you know, I think you're a good old boy. I'm going to let you pick on how people are going to be saved. I'll let you select it. I can honestly say I don't think I'd, I, I know I wouldn't change a thing because the plan of salvation is so beautiful and it's so perfect. Because when we obey the plan of salvation, we live out the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says repentance is like Christ dying on the cross. Water baptism typifies Christ being buried in the tomb. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the Bible said, typifies Christ resurrecting up out of the grave with new life. It's perfect. It's God's plan. The way it is is absolutely perfect. You say, well, I've been baptized in Jesus' name, but I haven't received the gift of the Spirit yet. Is it still important? Absolutely. Well, I've received the Spirit, but I haven't been baptized. Is baptism still important? Absolutely. It's vital. I, look, I'm, I'm just an old country boy. It's the way I see it. If you're going to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, 
you got to have peanut butter and jelly. If you only put peanut butter on it, you got a peanut butter sandwich. If you only put jelly on it, you got a jelly sandwich. But if you're going to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you got to put them both together. And salvation isn't just baptism. And salvation isn't just repentance. And salvation isn't just the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Salvation is when they're all brought together as in Acts 2, as in John 3, as in Acts 10, Acts 19. When it is all brought together, when we repent of our sins, when we're water baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Where are you at in your walk with God today? you've never been baptized we, we can baptize you today we got clothes to change into if you've never repented there's an altar you can repent today you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit you can receive it today you want to know why because today's the day to do it because Cornelius's last truth is what we've got to grab a hold of and take action on it is there somebody in your life you're praying for to be saved is there somebody on your job? Is there somebody in your family that you're reaching for right now that you're praying, God, soften their heart. God, begin to touch them. God, begin to open their understanding. Give an opportunity, Lord, that I may reach to them through the gospel. If so, I want you to lift your hands right now. We're going to pray. And in just a few moments, we're going to open these altars and we're going to come and pray together. <clears throat> Lord, I ask right now, as your great spirit is moving throughout this congregation, Lord, I pray for each person under the sound of my voice. Give us the strength, give us the courage, mighty God. In the name of Jesus, to be able to move forward. Lord, today to have the strength, to have the boldness, God, to be like Cornelius. That we can step out and obey your word, not only hear it, but obey it. To, to act upon it, to put action to our belief. Lord, I know there are people in this place today that need a healing in their life. And God, I believe healing's gonna flow in this place. Come on, somebody lift their voice and begin to pray to the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, come on. Come on, First Church, that's it. Lift your voice. Lift your voice to the Lord right now. He's moving. Come on, this is what it's about. It's a summer of harvest. It's about lifting our voice and praying together, uniting together right now. Almighty oh, God, I pray right now that we'd have the strength, to, Lord, that somebody would have the courage to make that move today. God, as we are reaching out to our families, we're reaching out to our loved ones, we're reaching out to our neighbors. Oh God, I pray that we would have the faith and the boldness like a Cornelius. God, to be able to open our home for the gospel to be shared, for the gospel to be preached. Come on, I want to open this altar right now. I want to open this altar right now. Would you meet me here in this altar and begin to pray? God, make my home like a Cornelius' home. God, make my house like the house of Cornelius, where people can be born again in the name of Jesus. Maybe you've never experienced salvation right now is that time. In the name of Jesus.
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.